you should be sorry for eating and drinking on this call. <laughs> Kiss my. <ass. laughs> All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. You guys don't want my Doritos. The loudest food possible to eat. No, you want my Doritos. You want my Doritos. Am I getting too high? Is that what it is? No, you're just a loud chewer. My mouth is closed. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Three, two, one, record. Hello, my friends. As Glenn takes a giant loud sip from his cup. I'm a Glenn. All right, we're still recording. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Thank you for joining us for the PEBCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 40 of 2022. Happy October to our listeners, and I will have to start planning out my costume for this year's Halloween episode. With me, I have Uncle Barbecue, who has a never-ending supply of Halloween costumes to terrify children and his co-hosts. So I don't know if I really terrify anybody intentionally, but fun fact, I just went to Spirit Halloween and loaded up this year. I got something fun planned in the future with a series of different costumes, so more to be determined. Do you have a budget every year for how much you spend on costumes? You just go with the flow. Yeah, just walk in, you know, drop the old Amex black card, let them know who's boss, That's buy it. for everyone in the store. No, just kidding. I don't do that. No, I mean, I have a couple masks that I would wear uh, to like Zoom meetings, but this year is a little bit different. It's going to be full blown outfits. I'm going to be like Chris rocking the uh, the dinosaur outfit or something like that. <laughs> nice. Just got to find a good way to get that audio through because if, you if your mic's inside the costume, the fan's too loud. And if the mic's outside the costume, they won't be able to hear you. So let me know if you figure, crack that code of how to. Do a Zoom meeting in the T-Rex. Got it. That's a tough one. <laughs> and we have Glenn Medina back from traveling. Glenn, I hope you're ready to report back on those Denver airport conspiracies. I'll be honest with you. I It was crazy at the airports this last two, two weeks. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but the planes are all full. Planes are at least... 15, 30 minutes late, and that was cross two airlines, so, and multiple airports. I don't know what's going on, but happy to be back. And uh, I totally forgot about the Denver airport conspiracy, but I will do it next time I'm there. Do you hear the sound of disappointment from all the listeners? I'm so sorry. I just totally forgot. <laughs> I can literally hear everyone's eyes roll right now like, oh, because of you. Good job. Yeah, sorry. No guess this week, we could not schedule one of our international guests, but I do have somebody confirmed in two weeks, so stay tuned for that. Ooh, is it Trump? No, it's not. It's even better. Couldn't, it, couldn't make the schedule. Is it the Queen of England? It's Bernie. Ooh, back from the grave? It's Bernie. <laughs> I'm is trying, guys. I'm trying. Tom Brady? I'm going to keep have guessing you guys, until you tell us who it is. I'm just kidding. Speaking of Tom Brady, have you seen like the pictures of him at the press conference and people were making jokes like this is Tom Brady. Like a, I forget. One of them was like, this is Tom Brady, but he looks like a discounted Kevin Bacon. Or, or yeah, this is somebody, Tom Brady and his wife lets him eat one almond a week or something. Yeah. Do, do, like do, it, it looks like someone tried to sketch uh, Kevin Bacon from memory. Very, yeah, that was <laughs> it. That's messed up. Did he lose a lot of it weight was, or something? Uh, I think he looks famished. Really? Yeah. Well, huh. yeah. I mean, he's about to lose half of his money right now. So, yeah, of course he's a little. Oh, he's getting divorced. <laughs> Have you guys seen the Florida Man Instagram? No. Yes, I, I subscribe to that one. All right. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but every every location that it's posted, it says Tom should divorce Giselle. <laughs> <laughs> I have not caught on to or that Or so one. something like that. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of jokes. But someone else said that I hope, or, or the best part of Hurricane Ian hitting Florida is that Tom and Giselle will have to spend, spend time together in their house without the power. Some something, something like that. Forget the joke. Did you see the the Babylon Bee one today? It's like uh, Florida warns everyone that you know due to the hurricane that there might be a shortage of water, electricity, worse than or equal to uh, California. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> little, little shots fired over there yeah well combined we have decades of information security experience and here not just to educate but to entertain we've got four awesome stories for you this week so sit back relax and enjoy the show 
closing the loop this week, I was actually on a customer call and the customer was mentioning that he was putting his IP address into a geolocation database. And while he knows his physical location is in Minnesota, the geolocation database was putting him in the middle of a lake in Oklahoma. So I spoke up and said, I know exactly why that's there. And there's a pretty cool podcast that explained why that happens. Did he ever respond to you? I saw the email go across. He just said, thanks. Thanks for the info. I don't know if you ever listened, but he appreciated me thinking of him. And I sent him the news story and the link to our podcast. What are the odds? I mean, I guess it was 600 million, right? IPs were associated with it. It's not that big of a, a coincidence. For the second closing the loop, remember that episode where I said I would never join a gym? Well, I joined a gym. So my oh, wife Chris along- is going to stop being fat. We love that. <laughs> Just kidding, Chris. I don't think he joined because he wanted to. <laughs> let's let's, oh, let's yeah, let him finish the story right. here. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife belonged to a gym for the last few years, and she's been trying to get me to join, but we were never able to work out together due to the childcare situation. This past week, we went together twice, and I enjoyed it, and It was actually an economical decision because joining for a month was actually cheaper than the two drop-in classes, so time will tell if I continue with it or not. Do they have free daycare so you can just drop your kids off and go work out and go have a cup of coffee and leave them there, go do some shopping, and then come back? (laughs) (laughs) No, this one does not have a daycare, so we'd have to go during the day or take time off during the week. This sounds like uh, Orange Theory. I could be wrong. Or F45. What was it? Neither? It was Orange Theory. Good guess. Yeah. It was you Orange like Theory? You like that? Yeah, I think it's good. So I explained on the episode where when I said I would never join a gym is because I I have access to a gym, but it's not instructor-led. So I just use the equipment and I use the Apple Workout Plus app on my phone. And I'm pretty good at self-motivating, but... This one was actually pretty good because it is it is the whole body workout and I was actually pretty sore after the class. Like the running part I have down just fine because I'm used to running long distances. But there are some exercises that make you do that workout muscle groups that I normally don't. So I think that it's, it's probably good for that. Just have a diversity of that workout. Orange Theory doesn't care about your endurance, buddy. They're going to be like, all right, treadmill. You're like, I got this. On 15 incline. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, my hands are going to explode. <laughs> I will tell you like, being in that room, because I, I used to be a member, I, I used to love doing the row machine, and I would pull so hard that sometimes the front end of the row machine would actually go up into the air and slam back down, and so the <laughs> instructor the would have to go over there and stand on it for me, just because I was trying to flex. They couldn't afford sandbags for you? <laughs> no. Or bolt the damn machine never. down like they should have done to begin with? Uh, cool. You know, yeah, yeah. It's like when Deech goes to a gym and he complains to the manager. He's like, the free weights only go up to 100. What are you thinking? I yeah. can't use this. You don't have enough weights back there for, for Deech. Uh, I don't lift heavy like that anymore, boys. Nice. <laughs> I guess that's Todd. It's Todd. Todd's the one that does that, isn't it? Todd the Rod, yeah. I, I would yeah. imagine he probably throws around some serious weights still. Yeah. So I did the gym thing for about a year where I got a private instructor. And then after the year, I was kind of like done with instructor. I figured out, I, you know, I figured out the patterns, figured out what, what I was trying to get accomplished. And I actually do a better workout now without him. Although I, I, I do sense the fact that I missed the motivation that he would give me. So whereas does, does Orange Theory do that? Do they do any motivation? Like you can do it. Anything like that? Well, for the two classes I've been doing, I think it highly depends on the coach. I had two different coaches. One was just barking orders at you, and then one was actually trying to motivate you and fix your form and everything. So it just depends who you get. Yeah. Not some 18, 19-year-old high school graduate that's telling you you've got bad form. Just power through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. There's a whole yeah. There's a whole Reddit sub that just takes the everything that they teach that day is posted on there. That we can just go to a regular gym for fifteen dollars a month and do it yourself. Even better, <laughs> yeah. you can go to Planet Fitness and it's ten. Yeah, or or ten. Yeah, yeah. So is it stealing? I don't know. <laughs> Borrowing. All right. For our opening topic, we did not get to this topic last week because car buying talk took too long. 
Brian, you've been playing with Tesla's full self-driving capabilities, and Tesla announced this week they are going to push it out to all eligible owners. What's your first impression of Tesla's full self-driving capabilities? It does surprisingly well at really complex things, and it does surprisingly bad for surprisingly easy things. Uh, I think the first couple times I drove it, it scared the crap out of me at least two to three times. Um, I would say that the vehicle gets dangerously close to other vehicles, like on like residential streets, to a point where I had to stop and apologize to the uh, the pool guy for someone else's house. Like, hey, man, I mean to scare you like he literally jumped back into the is to his truck it was so close <laughs> nice. and uh and other than that like this is kind of like some weird things like if i know that my house is coming up in like three miles and it's a left-hand turn i'm in the left lane but this damn car keeps going over the right once it prefers the slow lane and then even to the degree where the my turn is like 0.2 miles away it will merge all the way over like three lanes over and then merge all the way back which is insane. I'm like, just stay in the guy, you know, stay in the lane. And the last one that <clears throat> freaked me out was I'm getting ready to make a, a right-hand turn, or I should say the car is. And the, the turn lane, it enters the turn lane to a residential neighborhood, but that turn lane stops. Like you, like if you're in that lane, you have to turn. Cause if you go straight, you're going to hit a sidewalk. Right. And the car did not like it was like fifty two miles an hour. We're just going, baby. Oh man! So I had to like slam on the brakes and like YOLO. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. car's YOLOing. So I, so what I, happens was, if you would hit that island and then popped over? Is that Elon's fault or is that your fault? Oh, that's me. I think. Yeah. And oh, and then the only other thing I would say is I I really wish the car was aware of the flow of traffic. It would be nice if it kind of understood that like I'm in the fast lane. I'm going 45, but everyone else is doing 55. Like just to, just to recognize that that's going on, and also like sometimes when it's making a left-hand turn, it will veer into the turn lane, and then it'll be like, oh, I did that way too soon. I'm a premature lane turner, and it will pull back into the flow of traffic. But again, the rest of everyone else is going 55. I'm going 45. Oh and man! So like you just yeah yeah. So it was a, it's a little while. I mean, you can control it, right? You can still give it gas. You can set the the speed limit to go a little, a little bit faster. I just want to, you know, sit there and eat popcorn. So, they're not quite there yet, but getting there, we're closer to that than we were a couple years ago. At least we do it on city streets now, because that was the big thing. Like we used autopilot a lot on the freeway, but now we have it for city streets. Yeah. So I had a conversation with my wife about this yesterday. Um, where did you know there's? I, I guess there's different levels of aut- autonomous driving. And Tesla has version two and Mercedes has version three. And they were kind of going back on why Tesla has still not made it up to version three, that it only uses two types of sensors. One is camera based and the other one is maybe LIDAR, if if at all that. And then where Mercedes depends on multiple to multiple things, like even to go as far as the, the two that's included, camera and LIDAR, but also things like water sound on the windshield water sound within the the wheel well to detect how much water is on the ground um it, i i said i always thought that was like that was really cool to take all those indications and then provide a data point on how how to drive the vehicle versus just camera based so what level is tesla on tesla is two <laughs> tesla is level two okay so tesla is on level two but tesla is also level two got it that's right yeah keep making fun of my asian accent <laughs> i thought it was the nor norcal accent not asian how norcal you yourself yeah. well i'm i'm i'm, I'm from norcal diff- i say tesla like a normal person well you know because i like <laughs> to put a little pizzazz in that tesla so <laughs> i thought so on the, the whole stage two versus stage three, I could have swore I read something where basically I think Tesla was saying, you know what? Like, we don't even want to have to do LiDAR. We just want to re- depend on cameras only. Like, it should be able to make the, like, at, we as human beings don't have LiDAR. So why does the car need to have it? And that's really kind of been the focus. Yeah, but we also have the ability to look three-dimensionally into things, right? And there's other senses that are kicking off other than visual for us, right? So their speed, uh, dude. 
you know, I mean, you're not wrong, but yeah. at night when I drive with autopilot, it's like this damn car finds people on the side of the road walking around that I that I don't even see. Like they'll be on the sidewalk. I'm like, I'm like, oh, the car's tweaking out. That's obviously a ghost. Yeah. And I'll look over and I'll actually see people. So I think they do a pretty damn good job. Yeah. I, I, except I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying one way is better or, or, or worse than the other, but just reading the article that I read from Mercedes, it just made, made a lot of sense that they depend on a lot more metrics than just camera based. Cause what happens if your camera's dirty, right? Or it's raining and it, there's raindrops on or field of view is just totally not there. I know you. Maybe I will do. We'll tell you I can't do anything. You have to take over the car. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things. And they also rely on multiple cameras because the I think there's eight cameras on most most Teslas. I think the new ones have nine. Actually, there's one in, that looks inside the cabin and makes sure you're not nodding off and falling asleep or eating popcorn while driving. Right, but those are just nine cameras that are all in a direction. Right, there's not like multiple direction, not multiple cameras in one direction to t- to sense depth. Like, like we have two eyes, right? If we lost one eye, our depth perception kind of goes away from that standpoint. I think Tesla has three front-facing cameras. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Oh, you don't drive with, drive with an eye patch on like me? <laughs> what a weirdo. <laughs> I've never seen I've never seen three cameras. Or maybe they do, all within the little bulb in the front. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah there's three front-facing cameras there. Oh. Interesting. So here in California, there's a guy named Dan O'Dowd. Uh, I was actually surprised to see his campaign ads on CNBC. I don't know if you guys are familiar with who he is, but he's a tech billionaire here in California, and he's running for U.S. Senate, and he says he's a single-issue candidate, and the single issue he cares about is banning Tesla's full self-driving. So he says, if elected, I will ban Tesla's full self-driving. And he actually told Elon Musk, if you drop full self-driving i'll drop out of the race that's the one thing he cares about and he's running on this platform who was it going to win anyway so what does it matter <laughs> it's like all those people in that is it norwegian some norwegian country that was starving themselves because because elon wasn't giving him any FaceTime. uh the hunger strike thing yeah 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 i, I thought that was hilarious i mean this guy has way too much money than his he knows what to do with, and he's just going to run for Senate and try to ban full self-driving. I'm going to run for Senate as well. I'm gonna, my single issue platform is that everyone should be entitled to three ply toilet paper. Like we don't need sandpaper out there, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone needs a little treat for their tush. You got my vote. I Actually, I know. couldn't vote for you because I'm not a resident of your state. But if you run for national office, you got my vote. There you go. See, that's one one of many. Let's go. All right, for our first topic, are you guys aware of what's going on in Iran right now? Um, Arby's 5 for 5 sale? Taco Bell. Taco Bell pizzas are in Iran. No? Taco Bell pizzas? Yeah. I feel like we're Oh, wrong. the Mexican pizza? Yeah, they're back as, a, as of they're September back. 15th. I... Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Iran doesn't have Arby's or Taco Bell. All right. On a more serious note, for those of you who are not in the know, there are massive protests and demonstrations going on there right now following the death of Masha Amini, who is a 22-year-old Iranian woman who died under suspicious circumstances after being arrested by Iran's moral police for not wearing her hijab properly. All signs point to the cause of death being blunt trauma to the head and, if true, is absolutely morally reprehensible. We're typically not a politics or a world news podcast, but this story does have an intersection with information security. In response to the massive protests, Iran has shut down Instagram, WhatsApp, and Signal, our favorite end-to-end encrypted messaging application. Parts of Tehran, the capital of Iran, have gone without internet for hours as the country attempts to censor the news and stop the coordination of protests. Signal is urging people to set up Signal proxies outside the country and advertise them privately so they don't end up on Iran's internet block lists. Users are using the hashtag IranASignalProxy. So is anyone else surprised that there's even an uproar on this? I kind of felt like Iran was kind of a jerk about doing certain things like that. 
Like, isn't yeah, like stoning was... people to death kind of like business as usual over there? Yeah, it's still. And I'm not trying to be funny at all. I'm just trying to figure out why is Masha more important than anybody else that's probably going through the same thing all the time. I think it's a. So they are very authoritarian, but mm-hmm. I think even when, during the last presidential election, there were, there were massive protests. There was uproar, and eventually the government put it down. But I think the demographics of Iran and Tehran have been changing over time. I think there's a lot more young people. Probably if you look at the demography of Iran, they have a disproportionate number of young people there that are against the old hardliners. And I think they see this as an opportunity to protest and rise up. You know, you're right. I mean, I don't think there's any 80-year-old Iranian person that is uh, on Instagram or WhatsApp, right, posting their uproar on what the heck is going on. Uh, I do. I am curious, like, how, how is Iran actually blackholing it? Do you think they're just blocking routes out to the, the Western Internet here? But, well, they control DNS too, right? So you can, you Yeah, can they control the ISPs. DNS, though. Yeah, yeah. So I think... Signal has known published servers and they just have to block that. And that's why they need these proxies. So when a user inside the country goes to a proxy, it's not going to a known signal server. It's going to some type of web server that's hosted outside the country. Iran, in theory, is going to allow that. And then from there, they can hop over to a signal server. Although I'm curious as to see if they could, if they're just blocking at the five tuple level. Or if they're actually doing like next-gen firewall deep packet inspection to determine if this is signal traffic or not. Could you imagine them telling everyone, you must install this certificate on your device <laughs> so, <laughs> in order for you, for, you use that, or for you to have access so we can do SSL decryption on that Not traffic? It's happened before. Yeah. Not, not in Iran, but uh, was it Azerbaijan or Ka- it was Kazakhstan, I think. Yeah. They required the state-owned ISPs to push this SSL certificate on everybody. But what a great intersection between, I guess, like a new moral high ground in technology, right? These people are getting a little sick and tired of the old ways, trying to fight back and using their voice across social media. I think it's pretty rad. Good for them. Things have to change or at least evolve over time. Yeah, I think technology is that medium that's that's going to help them. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. It's the fact that you know their countries aren't isolated anymore just because just because they they want to like with the fact with the with the growth of internet access everywhere, people are seeing that you know maybe what the countries are telling them or people are telling them dictatorships are telling them that it's not necessarily true, right? That there there are there are there are freedoms out there, and this what they're living right now is not normal. Kudos. Yeah, it's interesting what's going on in Iran versus the narrative that's going on in Russia right now. But you would think the same thing could be said about Russia, that the people within Russia can use a proxy access the Western Internet and find out that you know they're living in a vicious dictatorship and what their leaders are telling them is not actually true. But I, I think Russia also banned like Signal and Telegram and all those other types of services. So you sort of see that dichotomy there that people are trying to bypass that censorship in Iran, but in Russia it might be a different story. They'd, they'd have to have some type of clue that there's something else out there that's better. We've had a couple international guests before, and we've always asked, like, well, at least I have, what's the best country in the world, right? And I always expect them to say America, and they say wherever they're from. I would venture to guess if we had someone on the phone or on the podcast from Iran or from Russia or even, heck, mainland China, they would just, you know, hail their own country as opposed to anything outside of that. Yeah, probably be a situation that this is how they were raised. They don't know better. Same with North Korea. I bet there's a certain number of North Korean defectors, but I think for the most part, the populace is pretty controlled in the messaging they get from state-run media. That's crazy. Like, hopefully that's not us. Like, can you imagine? What if we didn't really know? You mean like, you mean this whole time? Maybe this whole time, like, oh, we should have been doing communism. That's awesome. We all live in a simulation. We all know Glenn wants to do socialism. We're just so we're just that. a battery. We're just a battery cell in the matrix. So for the machines. Yep. Just don't unplug me. I'm good. All right. For our second topic, we're going to have to pour one out for our old friend, passwords.txt. 
we've often joked on this podcast about people leaving passwords sitting around in notepad documents or Excel spreadsheets, and Microsoft has finally said, enough is enough. A new update to Windows 11 called Enhanced Phishing Protection now warns users when they're typing their Windows password into insecure applications like Notepad or websites. When enabled, Microsoft will detect when you enter your Windows password and then issue a warning prompting you to remove the password from the insecure file, or if you entered it on a website, it'll tell you to change your password immediately. The feature is controllable through group policy, and Bleeping Computer tested this new feature, and the login password was caught when using WordPad and Microsoft Word. It surprisingly did not warn when typing it into Excel, OneNote, or Notepad2. Marginal gain is what we're looking for here. You know. Yeah, and by the way, it's off by default, so it's another one of those tyranny of the default. You would have to actively go in there and turn this protection on. What about Notepad++? Is that still even a thing? Yeah, I think it's a thing, but Microsoft doesn't control it, that it's one. Outside so of the, it's outside of the paste that. border, right? So, yeah, because even, even the browser protection, I think it only works in Edge, so it won't work in Chrome or Brave or Firefox. How much more is it like the government where we have to stupefy, we have to dumb-proof our operating systems just for people that want to do that kind of stuff? <laughs> like Just like making laws to say that you shouldn't jaywalk. It's like, really? Speeding laws. It's kind of... Yeah. It's like end-user education at the end of the day. Like I, I would always like preach to my wife, like, how crazy would it be if something's listening, right? And she's like, I don't care. Like... Who cares if TikTok is doing their thing? And I said, okay, well, I understand you don't really care. You have nothing to lose. There's really nothing that you're you're putting out there. But let's say that, like, God forbid, China's like, and they're going to invade the U.S. And they're going to just go out there and pick off every female that happens to be Christian. I was like, guess who's on that list, honey? That's going to be you. <laughs> right? And then she's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I think, you know, when it comes down to, like, the password sharing, stealing, like, all that stuff, the the uh you know the fish me trainings of the world you, you have to make it compelling enough for them to really understand it for them to actually care and once you actually have that level of conversation then it changes agree yeah, i think that's yeah the carrot and the stick model some security awareness training use the stick model where it says if you don't complete the training by this day we're cutting off your access to email and then there's the carrot training that says you know you're really important to protecting this company please take this training so you don't get duped and that could be very costly for the company. It, it, it's it's kind of like the teenager or the young kid and the why. Like when they keep asking you, well, why? why? Why shouldn't I stick my hand in a fire? Well, because you'll get burned. Well, why, what does it matter if I get burned? I'm like, well, you go ahead and stick your hand in a fire. You tell me how that feels, right? Or stick your hand in a light socket. I, I just don't think people understand what, like, like you said, Chris, it's like I don't think they understand the total ramifications of leaving passwords on on a notepad in, in somewhere, right? And I've been guilty of that where I've been in a rush and I've had to paste something real quick into notepad because there was nothing else that I could write on or didn't have a pen or didn't have my, my vault open at that time. So I'm sure I, I've been a bit guilty. Yeah, give them an alternative. Sign up for Enterprise Bitwarden or one of those password vault programs that's better than putting it in an Excel doc or a notepad doc. Yeah. Give them a better alternative. I'm sure people are willing to use it. Yeah, you hear that, Bitwarden? We're, we're looking for sponsorship here, so you can help us out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever mentioned this. When we talk about fish me training or security awareness, the I had a customer that came up with this really cool idea and if you failed fish me training in this particular use case, there, there was a uh, orchestration event that would basically go out to Azure Active Directory or Okta, one of the two. And for your identity, you would get new group membership called the Internet Jail. So <laughs> if you went out to like a business critical application, like let's say OneDrive or SharePoint or Salesforce, you could work on that. But if you're like, oh, I want to go to read the news or go to ESPN, it would basically block you and redirect you back to fish me training and you couldn't use the internet until you actually successfully passed it. I thought it was such a creative use case. And then once you passed it, another orchestration event kicks off, your group membership's been updated, and then you can go out and about and, you know, use the internet 
uh, without, you know, getting blocked and redirected back to the fish me training. That was pretty creative. Yeah, another carrot and stick model. So if you don't pass the training, you could still do your job, but you're not allowed to do anything fun. And I guess that's for the protection of the company because if you don't pass the training, they don't want you going to, you know, pleasefishme.com and giving up your corporate credentials that way. Yeah, but you're also talking to two different sets of users, right? Those that actually use a computer um, for work. Um, there's many people out there that never touch a computer at a, at a, at a, at, a, at an office, right? You know, versus those that just casually surf the internet when they're at home. Everybody, let's say, has a phone at home now. We we can truly qualify that. That probably 99% of the world out there, or especially in the U.S., has a phone and and has some level of access to the internet. So so to actually qualify that, this was actually uh, put into place because the certain frontline workers just weren't getting it. And mm. the problem that they had was after you failed it twice or if you had an offense where you actually fell victim to some type of phishing campaign you were like literally promoted to customer like you don't work for the organization but there was such a high turnaround and then a, a short workforce to back you up they they basically got to the point where they were sitting people down in a room like hey dumb dums you're all the people that failed fish me training we're going to go through this course together and then at the end of the thing i'm going to send you an email and then what do you do they're like we click the link they're like no, <laughs> you went up the link. This is it. So this was actually used. Uh, the internet jail membership was the the way to to, to basically stop the uh, the the over. Um, no, it's not overturned. It was the way to stop having you know to have. It was the way to stop having to fire employees and replace them with new ones. But do you, I mean with the advent of personal cell phones and devices and BYOD? Do, do, do you really think people care about that access anymore on a work computer? No, I think if you if you get blocked, you're just going to use your phone anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, there's two things for that. So one, if you're in a secure environment, you're not allowed to have your phone anyway. And then I guess the other thing is it's okay to browse the internet on your personal device. They just don't want it on the work device in case you, you get prompted to... or enter your corporate credentials or it asks you to download this file. It's less of a problem if it's on your personal device, more of a problem when it's on a corporate device. Yeah. Still education, right? Because guess what's on that personal device? Probably your work email. I don't know. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, so how long until someone comes up with a application for Windows that takes this concept and applies it across everything that is on that computer? There's some startup right now that's in stealth saying, damn it, they, 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 they're they onto us. I thought we were going towards a route. I thought Windows was the biggest one that started off at this route of no, of passwordless access, right? Yeah, Windows Hello. I remember that like 10 right. years, 10 plus years ago, yeah. we had Windows Hello. Why haven't we made strides for that? Voice recognition, facial recognition, all these that get tied to a persona. Oh, well, by the iOS way, 16... Oh introduced the concept of pass keys. So on the World Password Day this year, Microsoft, Google, and Apple said we're all switching to pass keys. And Apple is at least the first one that I know of that has actively uh, pursued implementing pass keys on their, their iPhone and their, their Mac OS devices. That's cool. So my son on, on the Windows front, he's just started college. He has his very first Windows computer he's ever used in his entire life. And he said uh, a couple of things. Number one, the Windows Hello. He goes, I don't know that it's all that great. He's like, to enroll Face ID on my phone, I feel like it was more secure. Here, I feel like I could just hold up a picture and bypass it. He's like, I haven't tried it out yet. That's one thing. The other one was, he's a huge like Google Chrome person. Like that's you know, he he grew up using Chrome OS uh, for everything, so he's really familiar with that platform. He goes, it took almost 30 minutes to figure out how to download Chrome from Edge because it kept interrupting <laughs> me and telling me how great Edge actually is. Are you sure? Are you yeah. sure? You sure? There's videos, you sure? there's social you proof. Sure? Yeah. It's like, yeah, what's, so the number one, what's the number one download from, from Edge? Yeah, Chrome. Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> so for Windows Hello, in order to qualify as a Windows Hello certified device, it has to have an IR sensor, so similar to Face ID. So in theory, the picture should not work because the camera should have IR if it's working on Windows Hello, but let us know. We're interested in, in finding that out. Absolutely. All right, for our third topic, our employer 
well, two-thirds of our employers, Zscaler, discovered an interesting piece of information-stealing malware. Backdooring apps is nothing new. An unsuspecting user downloads what they believe to be a legitimate app, but there's additional malicious code in there. They're commonly used for info information stealers to get user passwords and social media credentials, but the Print Stealer app, and that's P-R-Y-N-T, Print Stealer app, takes it a step further. Print Stealer is based off the code for Async Rat, which we talked about earlier on one of our podcasts. Print Stealer is a piece of software sold to, generally sold to script kiddies, it's people that don't know much about programming but know how to click nice fancy buttons, to generate malware and those script kitties add a telegram channel to get the dumped credentials. What Zscaler discovered when they analyzed the malware is that the developer of the tool that makes the malware also adds a second hard-coded telegram channel, effectively getting a copy of all the data. The script kitty gets the stolen data in their telegram channel and unbeknownst to them, the tool's developer also gets the data stealing from the stealer. So who says there's no honor among thieves? That's right. Especially if you're a script kitty. Uh, this is amazing. This is like a multi-level marketing at the end of the day, right? It's you're up, you get your downstream and then yeah, all your creds go upstream. <laughs> this is amazing. Good for them. And they figured if you're a script kitty and you're buying this pre-made package, you're not going to be able to figure out that Inside somewhere buried within the code. All your stolen credentials also get get uh, dumped over to the uh, developer of the app. In addition, your credentials too. So, <laughs> could you probably I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> That's funny. I, I don't. I take it there's really no honor here, right? I mean, if you talk to we're talking about thieves in general, so it's funny, nonetheless. So, out of curiosity, Chris, do you know who? Actually, like from the Zscaler side, do you know who actually reverse engineered that and found out? At the, the, about the hard-coded backdoor. Yeah, I think our Threat Labs has a blog about it. I'll link it through. I don't remember the name of the actual researcher that did it, but we should have a blog on it that I can post. Yeah, huge kudos to them. We should have them on the podcast, actually. That's pretty rad. No kidding. That's awesome. How do you think they actually did it? Do you think they're just observing network traffic, or do you think they like fuzzed the actual app and was looking at it and found out that it was harvesting credentials and sending it to different places. I'm guessing they found it through through the security cloud, and I, I guess they analyzed some of these samples and then found out as they're reverse engineering, they're like, huh, this is interesting. This is not your average info stealer. This has an additional backdoor built into it to send to the developer. You think they just saw two streams going out? It's as simple as that? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, as in probably. Making two network connects. They're like, hey, this is not going back to the original guy. So, because you can probably man the middle Telegram, right? I don't think they do end to end encryption. Telegram does do ED. Okay. Yeah, you you can't see the actual content, but you know that there's two different connections being made to Telegram. Okay. Is I don't know. We can't even call it man in the middle anymore, right? It's like person it's in the adversary middle. in the middle. Adversary. Person. AITM. AITM. Yeah. All right. Well, I offended you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chris. That's right, because you're using a, a pronoun. <laughs> yep. Adversary in the middle attack. You know how many times I say man in the middle a day? I'm at the start. Adversary in the middle, in the middle. It's like a misspelling of ATM. So there's that. Male carrier, male man, male woman. Male, male person. Male person. Male adversary now. Male adversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're called GPS and FedEx. So <laughs> I, why I wonder why they went with adversary. Because like think about it. Like I mean, historically, man in the middle doesn't really imply that you're doing it could be a bad person, but at the same time it could be a good person at the same you know what I mean? It's still an actual yeah. thing, right? I mean, you're doing SSL decryption basically. Yeah, it's a benign adversary in the middle. It's, they're technically not an adversary. It's a benign person in the middle attack. <laughs> benign person. How about FITM? Yeah. Friendly in the middle. <laughs> I could come up with some other things, but let's not. I guess this is the context. The show. Yeah. 
benign threat right, actor four. in the middle. <laughs> B-T-A-I-T-N. Yeah, now we're getting too long. <laughs> All right, for our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about how to cook a steak. We have a lot of meat lover listeners, and we actually even have a Slack channel here dedicated to cooking, smoking, and barbecuing meat. Uncle Barbecue, how do you cook your meat? So I didn't know we had a a Slack channel for this, Chris. Now I'm going to have to go out there and look for it. Thank you for telling me. I'll send you the invite. Can we federate so, be... so that way I can get in that channel too? So... Z-scaler only, sorry. Oh, yeah. man, thanks. You got a boomerang bag, baby. All right. So let's be real. There's only one steak to actually grill, and that's uh, that's ribeye. I don't know of any other. I can't even remember the last time I bought any other steak other than ribeye for like the last 10 years. Nope, New never strip? heard of it. Nope. Oh, wow. I'm a ribeye guy. That is it. Wow. I love the fat cap on a New York strip. Nope. No, thanks. Okay. I, someone sent me a Wagyu. It was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't a ribeye. So first things first, right? You got to get that, that meat up to room temperature, baby. So I'm taking that thing. If I'm cooking at five, it's out probably around noon, uh, sitting out there just naked in the kitchen, just waiting to be rubbed down. And then I will do a light dusting of char crust, the uh, garlic and uh, pepper seasoning, and then a, a generous coating of Montreal steak seasoning. And I'm going to throw that bad boy on the grill, depending on you know how hot I can get it. Uh, depends, right? But I'm, I'm thinking three to four minutes each side, pull it, let it rest 10 minutes, and then devour. Simple as that. That's Brian Deach's recipe. Now, if I have even more time, oh, by the way, the thickness of that steak Inch and a half to two inches thick. Uh, boneless or bone-in ribeye, I don't care. I like the bone-in ribeyes because I'll trim off the bones and give them to the dogs. And then if I can really think of this stuff ahead of time, like if I already know that I'm going to be you know, cooking on a Saturday with some friends and family, I will actually marinate the steak, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of uh, vinegar because the vinegar really helps break it down and make it super tender. And then I'll also put the Montreal steak seasoning in there, Ziploc bag it. And I'll let that thing just marinate for two, three days. Then again, the key here is room temp, throw it on the grill for a little bit. And that's a nice medium rare steak. If you want it a little bit more well done, we can't be friends. If you use ketchup, you're dead me. But that's that's my two cents on it. <laughs> what about A1? A1 okay, right? Nope. <laughs> when, don't say you. This is why you don't work with us anymore. I was wondering where you're going with that. You're like, if that is for medium rare, but if you like it more, I was like, uh oh, wait a minute. It's like, and then you said the right thing. Like, yeah, no, there's no other way to cook a steak. There, there really isn't. Yeah. How and I, and I like to I, eat yeah. my steak, no knife, no fork, just my meat, my meat hands, right? No just way. You're such a liar. <laughs> this, this, Fred Flintstone no. style. You go yeah. caveman style over there. <laughs> yeah. Let, let all the, you know, the sauce and the drippings go into my, my, uh, chest carpet you know what i'm saying a little, yeah. little something for the wife later on hey <laughs> you talk about uh, seconds the next day yeah <laughs> yeah i mean outfits i plan based off of the food that gets caught up in my beard so. yeah, i'm with you definitely get the steak to room temp and then i usually dry rub it dust it use that montreal thanks for the recommendation on that one love that one all right and I've got to try I'm, that out now. I'm in a little bit of a unique situation from you guys because I live in a condo where we're not allowed, not allowed to have smokers or barbecues or grills or anything. So I have to do everything stovetop. So I just get that cast iron super, super hot, good sear on each of the sides. Then I throw it in the oven until I get, I get the middle to about 120, let it rest, and then chop and serve. Yeah. So question. Uh, now, I used to try the whole cast iron skillet and then doing it in the, in the kitchen. What I noticed is that if I got it too hot, I, I felt like I was burning the seasoning and the steak entirely. So I don't know that I'm trying to get it beyond like 500 degrees, to be honest with you. If I'm trying to put like, unless I'm just doing a sear only and then throwing it into the oven. Um, otherwise, I feel like you're just going to burn the steak. Yeah, that's what I do. I get a good sear on it and then I oven it the rest of the way. What are you using for your base? Is it just butter? oil yeah i butter based it yeah okay i butter based it so you're probably only getting that to like three or four hundred degrees then right because that that will yeah. turn brown real quick do you do the whole like yep. throw some basil and some garlic and baste it and all that stuff or no if i have the time to yeah i can make a compound butter and and baste it in that and throw the rosemary and everything on it but if i'm in, if i'm in a rush it's just butter based 
Thank you. Rosemary, not basil. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> Do you guys ever make cowboy butter? What's cowboy butter? All right, dare, you get, I you get, dare I ask? Dare I ask? It is delicious, and you should keep having it. Uh, you, you get a couple sticks of butter, unsalted, because believe it or not, you're going to throw in a ton of salt. Um, get it all at the room temperature. That way you can mix it real good. You're going to chop up a bunch of um, garlic, finely uh-huh. minced, put it in there, along with some salt, pepper, but flaky salt, maybe even kosher mm-hmm. salt. Spin it all up together, and then uh, you, you roll it into a log with a piece of uh, saran wrap, and then mm-hmm. put it in the fr- uh, fridge, and then you just, boom, it's, it's good. It's oh, high nice. flavor. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's like a compound butter then. Yeah. We're on the same page on that one. What about you, Glenn? How do you cook your steak? So I like to do 24-hour salt. Um where I, I take it out and I salt it down with some um, Himalayan salt. Um, and I salt it for 24 hours in the f- 24 hours in the fridge or close to 24 hours. And then uh, like like you guys, four or five hours before I cook it, I take it out and I let it I let it sit. I don't like it to be wet when I cook it. And all I do is throw some pepper on there and I'll get the grill preheated to about 500 degrees. I'll sear for about uh, 30 seconds to a minute on each side, and then I'll, 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 I'll uh, lower the flame to about 400 and cook it till about 130. So 130 degrees on the inside, and that's it. I, I don't do a lot of other seasoning because I think steak should be eaten pretty primitive like you as far as like not a lot of other. If, if, if the meat's really good, it doesn't require a lot of other seasons seasoning is what i think so we got to get you on the montreal steak seasoning that's okay pretty good cool. i'll have to send you some there's also chicago's um seasoning did i send that one to you as well chris i don't think so i'm right. thinking i'm in the montreal all yeah. right and then so here's the here's the secret thing about the the char crust seasoning that they have mm-hmm. is i don't know what it does but somehow it just really holds in all the flavor and it really makes yeah. it tender and it's a pretty heavy dusting that you put on there but Did you guys the, put a the, binder the, on there though? I, I I've been hearing a lot of people say that you have to put a binder on the, on the steak before you no. season it like that. No, no, not really. A good rub, you don't need a binder. Yeah, yeah. the steak is pretty want, yeah. moist to begin with. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I I keep mine pretty dry from the salt for for the twenty. It's got to be twenty. You know, more than greater minimum of four, but greater but uh, twenty is pretty good. So. 20, so are you guys 20. all ribeye people as well or are you doing like you said the new york strip what are you guys cooking normally new york strip i, I like the new york strip or the ribeye either one i i do like the cowboy steak at uh sam's club 9.99 a pound it's about two inches thick really good steak but yeah. uh for the, although i'm sure it's like what 15 a pound now no it's still inflation it's still 9.99 believe it or not <laughs> so i was just uh, there. They're taking a loss on that yeah and then uh costco sells a really good uh, like in their New York strips over there are like twenty bucks a pound, so uh, and they sell like yeah. Four or the five. Costco short ribs are good. We like the Costco short ribs, like Ooh. the ribeye, as well. We we did prime rib once. That one was challenging. Like the whole rib. I mean that that's an all day affair. Yeah. of getting that done. But uh, are you guys on the same with the thickness, the inch and a half to two? Oh or yeah, you're going up like three. Yeah, or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, three's too no, much. You don't need- yeah. yeah, you don't want anything that thick, for yeah. sure. Yeah, You want it to cook evenly. I, on a Saturday, though, like a typical Saturday weekend, if there's a couple of families coming over or one or two families, I like to throw a tri-tip on the grill. Same thing, salt, pepper, maybe a little garlic salt, a little garlic on top. But like I said, not a lot of seasoning on the meats that I cook. So, I'll give you – I agree with that. So Costco has a great tri-tip that you can mm-hmm. put on the smoker, and that one, that's always a win. That That, that comes out great. Yeah. I'm not a heat, like again. I'd rather have a ribeye though if I'm going to yeah. cook. All right, I think we made all our listeners hung- thoroughly hungry after barbecue talk. But if is there anyone out there that has a different way of cooking steaks, probably sous vide is the other one that we didn't talk about. But love to hear about it. So I'm not. I've done that, and I, I wasn't that big of a fan. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you got to find a way to get the char. So you, you'll cook it to the perfect medium rare temp. Yeah. The trick is getting the char on there. So what my cousin does is he, he sous vide it to 120, then he brings it out on the grill, mm-hmm. and then he uses a flamethrower <laughs> and he gets that char on there. Yeah. Then it yeah, tastes like can... gas, right? Or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I think I have mine dialed. I think it's the fact that like, sous, like doing the sous vide, like you have to set it up, right? You got to bring the water, do all that stuff. You got to seal it. It takes time. I can literally have a steak ready 
in 30 minutes. Well, yeah, that's a lie. Yeah. I'm still letting, I'm bringing it to room temp, but cook time and, and uh, let it cure and then, then cut. Resting. Yeah. Make yeah, sure you rest. rested. I was going to bleed all over the place. Are we all 10 minute guys as well for that? Or do you guys? I do a five minute rest. Yeah, five. Uh, do you guys wrap yours or do you guys leave it just open to rest? It's open to rest. Open to rest, but I always be. have, so like I always cook like five or six of them, like really big ones. So they're just sitting in a bowl, right? And it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty hot. The other day, my wife dug into it right, right as it came off the grill. She like tore off an end. And like, there's just so much, no, like no. all the juices of that steak. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, that was hers. <laughs> Don't tell her though. Yeah. I, I actually <laughs> like to wrap mine in, in foil because I like the, the saw, the juices to stay inside of it to keep it. So, but that's just me. And you have to consider if you wrap it in foil, it's going to cook longer because even yeah. after you pull well, it off the grill or the stove yeah, or the yeah. oven, it, it continues cooking. And if you wrap it in foil, it cooks even more. So you have to yeah, adjust yeah. the temp. True. That. True, true, true. So, yeah. All right. Meat talk. <laughs> meat, meat sweats. <laughs> well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian is up. All right. Do you know who? Just kidding. We can't use that. Um, yeah, we're definitely cutting that. <laughs> yeah, one that one. <laughs> Immediately get cut. I was like, "Did he just say that?" <laughs> all right, all right. So, my joke of the joke of the week, dad joke of the week. What do mermaids wash their fins with? Tide. I think I know this one. <laughs> nice. Cool. All right. To wrap things up, full self-driving is available, but still exercise caution when using it. Iran is blocking Signal and other apps amid major protests. Passwords.txt will soon be a thing of the past. The print stealer robs from the robbers. And cook your beef to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pebcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For our co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Hey, Bye. Craig. <laughs>